And we're glad to see you this morning. Glad you're here. Go ahead and take a seat. We are on a tight schedule this morning or something. I don't know. We are starting a series. If you heard the song, we're starting a series on sexuality. Everybody just got really nervous right there. Like, ooh, what? Hey, because um, here's the deal. We live in a sex-crazed world. We live in a sex-crazed uh, culture. And it's everywhere you turn, isn't it? It's literally a click away. Uh, it's literally just a turn away. Uh, this is going to be PG, so if you're worried about your kids, this isn't going to be anything crazy. But we do want to talk about this, all right? It's everywhere you turn. In fact, I heard a story of a, of a uh, Christian author, a well-known Christian author, and he was, he was talking about how he was driving his car in rush hour traffic, and he noticed a gal jogging down the road, and she was jogging in a bikini. And he noticed her. Go figure. But he didn't just notice her. He kind of like locked on, right? And so as he's driving, he's looking and he keeps looking. He gets his money worth, right, on the look. And he turns so much, he doesn't stop looking until he runs into the car in front of him. Now go home and try to explain that accident, right, to your wife. So it's everywhere we turn. Here And here's the deal, guys. What is so... uh wrong about that whole thing is the world has embraced sexuality and embraced all that it is and says any kind is okay and with all kinds of different ways and with different any time and different people and it's all good and and if what what's really sad about that is the church god has a lot to say about sexuality and yet the church remains silent about it right so when i brought up the topic this morning uh you you probably felt a little awkward about it because we're not used to talking about it in church. It feels a little weird. It feels a little weird. In fact, if you're a guest here this morning, uh, I just want to go ahead and not really apologize, but just apologize for the shock of that. You didn't get warning. Our people kind of knew this was coming. But if you didn't, I want to, you know, the shock of it may may be a little bit to you. Uh, the only time someone's ever gotten up and walked out of a message that I've done is on this topic right here. And I watched them stand up and leave. <laughs> and I said, bye. No. <laughs> Because it's just, we're not used to talking about it in church. And yet we should. It's critical that we do, actually. It's critical that we do. Because if we don't, here's the deal. Marriages will continue to fail on this topic. Uh, others will limp along, uh, suffering from a lack of understanding in this topic. Our students will keep wrecking their lives in this area. And the world will continue to define for us what is good and what is bad and what is right and what is wrong. So we've got to talk about it. It's absolutely critical that we do. I don't know how many of you got. You should have all gotten one of these guys this morning. Everybody get a lollipop? Actually, it's a Tootsie Pop, isn't it? There's a, there's a Tootsie Roll in the center of this bad boy. Everybody got their Tootsie Pop? Now, if you're a parent and you've got a Tootsie Pop and you've got some kids... Would you feel comfortable about giving your touchy pop to your kid? Some, would you? Yeah, you give him a touchy pop, right? Well, everybody but Adam gives their kid a touchy pop. What's wrong with you, man? I mean, what is wrong with you, man? You give your kid a touchy pop. Now, do you give them a touchy pop all the time? Anytime they want one, do you give them one? I mean, we like to, I mean, they're good. We like to give them to them. We like to have them and to enjoy it and say, you know, we want you to have this little treat. But not all the time. You might say, if it's like 5, 5.30, you might want to tell your kids, wait until after supper. That's right. 
And you might say, hey, until you eat those green beans on your plate, you're not getting your Tootsie Pop. See, here's what I can tell you. Sex is a gift from God that is special and is meant to be enjoyed. But it doesn't mean that we can have it anytime, anywhere, any place. That God, just like a parent would give conditions on a treat, God says, listen, there's some conditions that you've got to understand that I've put in place for you for your own good. For your own good. Your five-year-old doesn't understand the idea of vitamins and why eating a green bean is good for them, but you make them eat those green beans so then they get a Tootsie Pop. God says, listen, you may not understand all the reasons why this is such a critical thing and why there's certain conditions on it, but it's a, it's for your own good. All right. With that being said, let's just jump in to what God has to say about this topic. He's got a lot to say. The Bible's chock full of this stuff. We're just pulling out a few of the key passages here. The first thing that sounds so basic, but God made us sexual beings. I mean, that's obvious, right? He made us male and he made us female. And he says, both are made in my image. Both male and female are made in my image. And so uh, being a sexual creature is a precious part of not just what we do, but really who we are. It's not a function of just what we do, but who we are. And so God says this in in, uh, Genesis 9. He says, be fruitful and increase in number. Be be fruitful and multiply. He told Noah and and his kids and their wives, hey, listen, be fruitful. I want you to enjoy this. I want you to do this. You're going to fill the whole earth doing this. He says, I want this. This is my gift. See, God designed sex to bring life, didn't he? God designed sex to bring life, but not just physical life. Here's what I, here's what, because we're okay to say, oh yeah, I believe that in church, but God brought, he had so much more in, in mind when he said, I wanted to give sex to bring life. It goes way beyond procreation. Here's what I mean. Um, in the book of the Song of Solomon, how many of you, if I handed you a Bible, would know where to find that book? The Song of Solomon. It's kind of hidden away in the Old Testament, but God wrote a whole book of the Bible about this issue of love and romance and dating and marriage. And he says, I've given you this book to help you understand my heart in this and how precious this thing is. And in that book, you see a couple um, go from uh, dating to courtship to marriage and romance and conflict and, and living their whole lives together. It's a beautiful story of love and what it looks like. And in that story, it's their wedding night. Now, it's pretty wild that we get a sneak peek on that little passage and, and we actually see what the wedding night looks like. And it's the only time in the, in that book where you see God speak to them. And here's what God has to say. It's on their wedding night. They're about to enjoy what God get, had given them to enjoy. They're about to have their Tootsie Pop. God says this. Oh, lover and beloved. Now that's their names. Lover and beloved. That's the husband and wife. Oh, lover and beloved, eat and drink. He's not talking about food. Eat and drink. Yes, drink deeply of your love. He's saying, listen, I want you to understand something. What you're about to do is good. And I want you to enjoy it. I want you to have at it. I want you to be blessed by it. It is my gift to you. I want you to find oneness like you can't in other ways when you do this together. God would say it's not about just procreation. It's for your enjoyment and it's to bring oneness into your relationship. So eat and drink up. He also says this in Proverbs. He says, let your wife be a fountain of blessing for you. Rejoice in the wife of your youth. 
Don't bleep me out here. Let her breast satisfy you always. May you be always captivated by her love. God is saying again, listen, this is good and this is pleasing. And I want you to not just look at it as something dirty. This is something to be embraced. This is a part of why, how I've created you and why I've created you. See, sexuality in and of itself is not a bad thing. It's a good thing. It's not the world's thing. It's God's thing. It's not something to be talked about or whispered about or be quiet about. It's something to be embraced in the right context. It's a beautiful thing. See, God designed sex to bring life, not just life physically, but to bring life to a relationship. There's things you can express physically that no words can express. God's given us this gift to be able to communicate to each other in a way that is intimate and, and, and so precious and so beautiful that it's to be shared by a man and wife and they are to enjoy it. God did not have to rig us up where we like it like we like it, but he did. He did. And if you're not, if you're married and not experiencing that kind of oneness that comes from knowing each other physically, you miss out on so much of what God says oneness is really all about. You're missing it. So let me ask you this. Does God say that sex is good? Oh yeah. In fact, I might get an amen there. Did God say sex is good? All the guys looked at their wife real quick. Can I say amen to that? Amen. Yeah. He says it's good. Does he say all the time it's good in every situation? No. No, he does not. No, he does not. In fact, um, this same couple in the book of the Song of Solomon, before they get married, you see them dating. And a couple different times, their emotions and their passion for each other are welling up and they want to express their love to each other. And they just can't wait to consummate their relationship physically. And they're wanting to do what all dating couples that are in love want to do. And then twice in this book, before their wedding day, it says this, do not awaken love until it's time. They said, listen, I love you and I want to give myself to you, but there's a certain time for this and there's a certain place for this. And God says, we need to wait. We need to wait. But I want my sucker. And I want, I want to eat it now. I want my sucker when I want my sucker. And I don't want anybody telling me when I can or can't have my sucker. God says, you need to have this thing in the right time, in the right context. Now, it sounds really selfish to say, I want my sucker when I want my sucker. So we tell ourselves things like this. They're so special to me, and this is a special night. I'm going to decide to give myself away on this special night. Or we say things like this. I'm going to marry them anyway, so I'm going to go ahead and give myself to them. Or nobody's ever going to know that I'm deviating from God's plan for sexuality. And so I can get away with it. It's really not going to hurt anybody. And I'm still going to get my sucker when I want my sucker. God says, I want you to do it my way. I want you to do it my way because my way is the best way. I'm looking out for you. I'm looking out for each one of you. I want you to enjoy this thing when it's the right time and in the right way. I want you to hear this. If you hear nothing else this morning, when it comes to sexuality, only God's way has no price to pay. Only God's way has no price to pay. 
Any other deviation from God's beautiful plan of a husband and a wife committed to each other for forever, every other way other than that has a price to pay. Sometimes it's a very steep price to pay. I think a lot of times we look at, uh, at, uh, at this whole idea as sort of a gamble. That if we deviate from God's plan, we might get away with it. It's sort of a, it's sort of a risk. But we might be lucky enough to, to avoid all the issues and avoid all the problems if we just, if we just, um, are lucky enough. And we're playing the odds, we think. You know, we're told that when it comes to, uh, we told, we've told a generation, and now it's been a two generations, we've told them, hey, if you just use protection, then your odds go way up of being safe, which is really a lie. Okay, it's really a lie. But we've taken that thinking and we've translated it into every form of this, of this arena. We'll say, I may or may not get caught. And I may or may not have consequences. And I may or may not everyone, anyone ever find out that I'm deviating from God's plan. And so we roll the dice. And we think, maybe my way won't cost me. Can I tell you something? Our way, any way other than God's way, always has a price to pay. Guaranteed. 100%. It will get you now. It will get you later. See, any deviation from God. See, God, what God created in sexuality is so beautiful. And any deviation from that gets really ugly and pays a high price. And when we think of those things, we think of oftentimes we think of consequences. Would you agree? We think of things like uh, transmitted diseases. We think, well, there's a price to pay if we go down that road. Or we think of um, unwanted pregnancies. And if we go down the wrong road, we might, be, we might end up with a consequence that way. But let me tell you something, guys. It is far beyond just the physical consequences that you and I could experience if we deviate from God's way. It's far beyond that. See, all extramarital sex is wrong. Let me say that again. All extramarital sex is wrong. Because it's wrong in itself. It's just wrong in and of itself. Not because there may be consequences to it. Because it's not God's way. Let's look at a few verses together. This is what God has to say about this. He says, 1 Corinthians 6, he says, The body is not meant for sexual immorality. He's saying, listen, this body I've given you to enjoy, it's got some restraints and it's got some uh, things that you've got to adhere to. You can't use it in an unholy way. And if you're dating and you're having any form of sex, it's wrong. It feels good at the moment, and you think that it's the right thing, and you feel really close to that person, but it's destructive. It isn't God's way. Look at what the Scriptures also say. It says this in 1 Thessalonians. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. That means holy or set apart. That you should avoid sexual immorality. God's saying, look, there's a right way to use this and there's a wrong way to do this. Well, why would God put restrictors on? Why would God limit this thing? It's because the price. The price is just too high. And this doesn't matter if you're a student or you're married or you're single or you're single again. It doesn't matter what age you are. This thing can kill. It kills the trust in a relationship. You end up using people. You live with guilt and shame and condemnation. And the effects of sexual immorality destroys. It just destroys. You ever taken a piece of paper and you made a copy and you forgot to mark which one was like the original copy? 
And then you take the copy of the copy and you make another copy. And if you do that enough times, you end up with a really cruddy looking copy of something, don't you? It's a shadow of itself. It almost is faint. It's almost fading away. Guys, when we give ourselves to sexual immorality to other people or to uh, pornography or to other things that are just not God's plan and not God's way, we begin to make a copy of a copy of a copy of ourselves. Our soul slowly drifts and fades away from the things of God. We start finding ourselves less and less sensitive to the things of God. We find ourselves more and more attracted to the things of this world. And we start losing the original image that God created us to be. And we're losing the original image of what sexuality was supposed to be. I can tell you, I've known married guys. A lot of them will tell me this. Look, I wish I could go back and undo what I have done. Married 5, 10, 15, 20 years, and they say, I still remember things I did before I was married. And the memories of those things haunt me. And the images that pop in my head still bother me. And they still are a problem for me. See, the damage that gets done years earlier still play out in our lives. See, the price is just too high. The price is just too high. If you're young here this morning and you're hearing this, let me just tell you, if we could line people up, they would tell you the price is just too high. To, to, so when God says avoid sexual immorality, it is so for your good. It's so for your good. A lot of those guys would say, I wish I'd never taken that lollipop. I wish I'd have waited. I wish I'd have saved it. For that special person that God had in my, I wish that's the only one I ever tasted. Can I tell you, orange isn't my favorite. But if orange was the only flavor I ever tried, it'd be my favorite, wouldn't it? When we, when we don't do it God's way and we do it our way, it gets in the way of God's best for our life, for our marriage, and for our relationships. Any deviation. See, only God's way has no price to pay. Only God's way. So there's a lot of ways that we get off track, and our culture says they're okay. Let me just, I'm going to debunk a few of these if that's all right with you guys. We talked about premarital sex, dating and and engaging in that before marriage. God says, no, don't do it. Oh, uh, Phil Robertson had it right when it came to homosexuality. He might not have said it the right, I mean, the most eloquent way, but he was right. He said, God looks at it as something we should not do. He says this, uh, do not have sexual relations with a man as one does with a woman. That is detestable. Leviticus 18.22. New Testament says it this way, God gave them over to shameful lusts. Even their women exchanged natural sexual relations for unnatural ones. In the same way, the men also abandoned natural relations with women and were inflamed with lust for one another. God says that's not right. That is not what it's supposed to look like. He says, that's not my way. There is a better way. I've got it planned to be beautiful. And it's, that is a perversion of what I said is good. Now, the vast majority of us don't have an issue with that. And we can amen that. But he has a lot more to say on this topic. He says this also, Exodus 20, verse 14. One of the Ten Commandments says, you shall not commit what? Adultery. He said, listen, when you make a commitment to a husband or a wife, it is for life. And you don't go outside of that relationship. You don't go into someone else's relationship. That is just wrong. God says, no, that you can't have that lollipop. 
You can't have that one. Jesus turned that on its ear, and I think this applies to every single one of us. He says this. You have heard heard that it was said, you shall not commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He's saying, listen, that's not my way. I mean, that's just not my way. Letting your eyes drift and your mind drift and and playing out things in your head or, or fantasizing about things. He says, listen, that is not my way. That's not my way. I have so much more for you than that. And that everything I've ever read is it is, that's not just an epic, it's a pandemic in our community, in our society. I mean, it is rampant. We started a small group every other Sunday night for men so we can talk about that. We're going through a book called Every Man's Battle. And I love that title because it is truly every man's battle that we have to deal with temptation like that. That we would avoid sexual morality and that our eyes and our minds will be fixed only on who God has given us. Because that's his best for us. See, that's God's way. Isn't it ironic that the thing that's meant to bring life to a relationship oftentimes brings death, destruction? What God had created to make something beautiful that you could enjoy for a lifetime with one person and just be completely free with them, it gets destroyed and tainted and turned into something that brings death and shame and condemnation. And only God's way doesn't have a price to pay. Every other way has a serious price to pay. So let me just tell you what the price might look like. You might be sitting there thinking this morning, I'm not sure I'm paying that high of a price. Let me explain what that price might look like. You might say, uh, you may not even think this is related, but you might be saying to yourself, it has been a long time since I felt close to God. I pray and I feel like my prayers aren't going anywhere. I feel like he's not there. I wonder if he's even listening. And anytime something bad happens in my life, I'm wondering, is that related to the fact that I'm sexually impure or immoral? I'm wondering if that's related. Is God getting to me? Is God getting at me? And you walk around with uncertainty in your walk with God, wondering if this one area of of problem or issue in your life is affecting all the others. Quite often it is. And it does. And you're paying a high price for yourself. You might be sitting thinking to yourself, um... Because of what I'm in or what I've done or my past, I can't, I have trouble fully giving myself to my spouse. And every time I try to do something with them or we try to engage in that, I have problems because of my past or I have problems because of what I've been wrapped up in. And there's a lack of intimacy with me, my spouse and I, and they know it too. Like I'm not fooling them. They know that there's something wrong and your marriage is paying a price. Your spouse is paying a price. You might say, I desire to serve and, and, and do good and, and, and do things for God and impact other people's lives. I have a vision of my life that it's going to be this awesome thing that God's going to be so proud of. And he's going to say, well done, great and faithful servant. But this because of this one area of your life, it's, it's, it's taken you off the rails. And so when you come to church or you have an encounter with somebody, you're not ready. You're not given what you know you could give. You're not serving the way you know you could serve because there's something fundamentally wrong on the inside and other people and the church and the kingdom is paying a price. 
You may have even thought this, that you're fearful that the pattern that you're establishing or that you've established in your life in sexual morality could be passed on to your children and their children. And you wonder, are my kids going to pay a price? Are my kids going to pay a price? See, when you really think about all the ramifications, you, would, you and I, if we would logically looked at it, we'd say, we don't want anything to do. We don't want any other way but God's way. See, only God's way has no price to pay. There is something so emotionally and physically gratifying about having a relationship, a committed relationship with somebody that you love, that you committed your life to, and you're able to give to one another. There's something so beautiful about that. Until you've experienced that, you realize you've settled for a cheap substitute of what is really so great. Can I tell you the greatest sex in the world? The greatest sex in the world is with a man and a wife and they are committed to each other and they love each other and they serve each other and they give themselves to each other and they have no guilt and no shame when they do that. And they only enjoy one another and they give to one another and it's a beautiful expression of all that God created sex to be. That's what God intended for us. He says, I don't want you to settle for anything less than my best. I want you to have the very rich and fullness of this. Anything else is a perversion and a destruction. The only God's way has no price to pay. Only God's way. And here's what I can tell you. You get told the opposite of that all the time. I get told the opposite of that all the time. Billboards, ads, TV shows, movies, internet, things that pop up on my phone. And I'm not looking for it. Facebook, they will all tell you something other than God's way is the only way. They will all tell you that. And there will be little lies that come in your head and it will try to tell you that there's a better way than God's way. You deserve your lollipop when you want it, when you want it, anytime you want it. That lie gets told all the time. That lie will look like this. Maybe there's somebody else better for you out there somewhere. There's a better flavored lollipop. That's his no. Just a quick poll here. Anybody eat their lollipop? Yeah, some of you did. That's okay. That's cool. How many licks did it take to get the center? Anybody count? Anybody count? Three? <laughs> Y'all got some like sandpaper tongues or something. <laughs> Three licks. You know, I, I know this is awkward, guys, and I know this is uncomfortable. We got enough blow pops, we might do it again next week, yeah. When I ask you, have you eaten this yet? That's really not the real answer. The real question this morning, is it? The real question is, have you eaten a lollipop that was forbidden in your past? Maybe you're, you, maybe you've been, maybe you've been taking part of one yesterday. In your mind, in your heart, or in real life. I have, I got great news for you this morning. God is the God of do-overs. God is the God of do-overs. 
So here's the cool thing about sexual purity. It can start again today. Sexual immorality may have ruled your life yesterday, but with God, you can have a do-over. You can have a renewed commitment to sexual purity. You can find all that God planned. There's been people that have come out such of such horrible past when it comes to this, and they found this beautiful thing that God said was so good. But it starts with the decision to do it his way. It starts with the decision to do it his way. Some of us need to commit. If, you, if you've not gotten into sexual morality, you need to commit yourself. Uh, say, God, I want what's best for my life. I don't want to steer or veer off into something else. I don't want to have sex before I'm married. I want to do it your way, God. I want to do it your way. I don't want to expose myself to all the junk and the trash that's out there on TV and the Internet. I don't want it that way, God. I want it your way. And some of us don't need to commit. We need to recommit to doing it God's way. You just need to recommit to doing it God's way. God will not turn you down on that. He says, if you want to start fresh and you want to start new and you want to do it my way, then today is the day. Today's the day. Jim and Debbie Rovanelli, you guys know who they are? Um, he's had trouble walking. It's been almost two years since he had his stroke. He's been walking with a walker. And uh, he just got up one morning. He'd been making some progress, but he's not been able to walk without a cane. And he said, you know what, God, today's the day. I'm going to do it. Guess what he did? He walked to the kitchen without a cane. See, God does that kind of stuff. If you're willing to start fresh and start new, God says, okay, if today's the day, then I'll make today the day. If you want to start fresh with me and start new with me and be pure in my eyes and be holy and be set apart and not be sexually immoral, then today can be your day. What's that look like? If you're single, then you wait and do it God's way. If you're single again, you wait and do it God's way. If you're married, then your eyes and your heart are only for your spouse. If you're married, your eyes and your heart are only for the great gift God's given you sitting next to you today. If you're a student, then you can do yourself the biggest favor you could ever do and you not let yourself go down this road. That you don't put yourself in compromising positions. That you don't go off somewhere alone with somebody that you want and you're physically attracted to and put yourself in a place where you know you're going to mess up. And you say, I'm going to do it God's way. You know, this whole thing about doing things God's way, it doesn't just apply to this area of our lives, does it? Financially, relationally, everything. There's a right way and then there's a wrong way, then there's God's way. And you can't know God's way until you know God. You can't know God's way until you have a personal relationship with Him. And so as I close this morning, if you need to know Christ, if you've never experienced His way, you've tried to do life your way and you're tired of doing life your way and you're ready for His way, then today could be the day, can't it? All you have to do is say, I'm ready for a do-over, God. Will you guys pray with me? Father in heaven, I'm not foolish enough to think that we're all saints in here. That we've never messed up when it comes to sexuality. Lord, I believe you want us to have a fresh start with you this morning. That you're ready for us to have a new chapter in our lives. 
where sexual immorality does not reign in our mortal bodies, but we learn how to live holy lives, God, with our eyes and our mind and with our actions and in our relationships, that you've got something so much better for us this morning, God. I pray that you would give us the courage and the conviction to not shy away from that, but we would jump full force into that. And if there's anyone this morning that would say, I have not been down that road. I'm young. I, I haven't, I haven't uh, encountered all this yet, but I want that purity in my life. I want to stay pure. I want to wait for the right time and the right place and, and taste the treat, the, the, the dessert that God's got for me when it's his time in marriage. I pray you make that commitment this morning. You tell God this morning, I'm going to wait, God. If you feel like uh, you've blown it in this area of your life and you're ready for a new start and you're ready for do it the Jesus way and say, God, by your grace and your help, I'm going to do it your way. I don't want to pay the price anymore. Then you tell him that this morning. You say, God, help me. Renew me. I believe that you want to forgive me. I want you to fill me and lead me. I want your, my choices to be your choices. If you don't have a relationship with Jesus Christ, if you've never entered in a personal relationship with God where you can know him and he talks and you hear him in your heart and then you, and you know that he's listening, then you need to enter into that today. And you can say, Jesus, I need you. My way is not working. I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe that you are sufficient, that, that you are the son of God, that you are the savior of the world. But not only that, I want you to be my savior. And I ask you to come into my life and save me. God, I give you thanks that you're the God of do-overs. God, I thank you that you are patient with us, that you don't want anyone to perish, but all to come to repentance. God, that you would wait and wait and wait for us to come to you. That you will, you will be beg, begging us to do that this morning. And that when we do, you come running to us. That's the God you are. God, we give you thanks this morning for how great you are. God, may the commitments that were made this morning not just leave, leave when we leave, but God, they'd be entrenched in our hearts and our minds. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen.